0: This is Danny Trejo, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. Keep listening, or I'll take your head. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neal and i'm joined by the returning filmmaker justin price who has a lot of stuff coming out and we're going to talk about it it's very good to have you here
1: rock and roll thank you so much for having me i think this is i don't know man like my 17th rendition of being on your show so thank you for this it's amazing it's gonna be an epic show
0: I agree. I agree. No, it's, a, it's always great to talk with you. You always have cool stuff coming out. And I think the first time I had you on, uh, I might be wrong, but I think it was your first, maybe not your first movie, but it was definitely one of the first ones that, that I remember anyway. And uh, it's cool to see you've gone <laughs> on to do so many things.
1: Yes. Yes. Thank you. I, I believe it was uh, maybe my second or third. You know, the odd thing is now, um, and just to clarify, Epic Show, because. A Bone was coming out, and I know that so many people have been waiting for that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the fan request that I get from my parents and everyone else, man, it has been off the charts. Uh, I think it comes out in April. But, uh, the, the first movie I did was I think it was The Cloth, and I say I think because I have done so many films now, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so many things I, I tried to get into before it, it became a thing. That most of the time we're just making shit. And then it was a film later. You know what I mean? Like, oh, let's just have some fun. And then we turn it into something. So,
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to go back. No, I'm going to actually go back to that one second. I do want to mention. You said Abominable. That comes on April 14th. And we're going to talk about this very cool Yeti movie with amazing, uh, amazing effects. But uh, about that, where you said you were just making stuff originally, you know, to have fun and stuff. Mm -hmm. When did you, when did you, like, decide this is actually something I'm going to do? Like. I'm going to take this, you know, more seriously. And this is like my life now. I'm going to make movies.
1: Oh, my goodness. You know, it's a great question. And I actually don't know. Um, I think maybe it hasn't happened yet. Right. No, seriously. I watched Parasite. Right. And if you've seen Parasite, uh, first off, amazing film. And it kind of just shows you so much. I mean, not only Parasite, but just films like that. When people really get into the film language, Um, it shows you how much you really are not doing <laughs> as a filmmaker like when uh when the director was breaking down a scene and he's like yeah I, I chose this framing because the window represents society and the left side of the frame we wanted to keep no color because it shows the the disparaging economic remark i was like, oh my god <laughs> i'm like dude i just would have shot the window like what is- <laughs> like on the left side underneath the third of the frame like it's just so much shit going on in this one shot I would have been like, well, looks cool. That looks cool. Everybody's standing in front of that. Cool. That's great. Let's move on. Like Uh it would have been just, you know, um, and it just shows you like so much is put into it and you see that film. And when I used to watch film (laughs) back when I was like nine or 10, I just watched the film. I didn't even know it was fake, to be honest. I kind of thought that there was real shit going on. And then we didn't know Spider-Man was real and he was just out there. And it just so happened to capture him, you know? So I wasn't, my initial goal wasn't to be a filmmaker. My initial goal was just, um, entertain. It's almost like, I guess, Donald Glover. He's just, you ask him what he does. He's just, I just do I just do whatever I feel. So, um, that's kind of how I fell into it. I didn't, I actually had no interest. I still have kind of zero interest into the makings of things in the sense of, I just do them. Like, I, I don't want to edit who, who does. I don't want to yeah. film like that. I'm not a DP. Uh, i'm not a uh cinematographer i'm not a sound guy i'm not like but i love the inner workings of it i don't want to technically do those things but i like mm-hmm. the inner workings so i just kind of fell into these things you, you feel me like it's like i started yeah. filming shit and i was an actor and then people were casting me as a thug and i said like, let's just start doing stuff man and start having fun like right now everyone's saying let's shoot post-apocalyptic footage it's perfect for that go out. <laughs> shoot empty streets. Right. And <laughs> uh-huh. and that's the kind of shit I would do right now. Hey dude, let's just get the camera. Let's just yeah. go shoot Walmart. Let's just go shoot New York with no one on the subways uh-huh. and let's just turn it into some shit. We probably saw have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that just became something that someone came to me and said, let me monetize that. You mm-hmm. see what I mean? So it became like a thing where it was, Hey, that video you made, we would like to show that to people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh, cool. I didn't know that was a thing. All right. Well, I do more of that if that's what is happening. Um, but yeah, no, no, I didn't have a, you know, like I didn't grow up watching like, Oh my God, I have to become the new Zemeckis. I Mm -hmm. have to become the new, whatever, you know, Nolan, or Tarantino. I just was kind of like, I just love, I love the craft. So
0: Mm -hmm. I I would think that attitude would keep, uh, this being fun making movies. If you're, uh, Ideas, just to go out here and let's make make something that's fun and and cool to do. A hundred percent,
1: a hundred percent. That's been tested now. I know we're going to get into it with Paragon because mm-hmm. I have been filming. And if you don't know Paragon's um, episodic, it's an hour long episodic, seven episodes, starring Danny Trejo, um, also starring uh, Eamon Joseph from Snowfall, um, you know Dylan Gwynn Francisca Schistler, Koo myself, Lisa May, Cameron White, David kazarus just just amazing, amazing crew, cap talent all over the place. And it's essentially the world has ended as far as the afterlife. So no one can go to heaven or hell. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to play with the idea of how people would be. And subsequently, uh, with the chicken nugget story, that's kind of on par <laughs> with what's happening in the show. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like this thing of, well, hell, there's no point in, in worrying about what's going to happen next because we kind of know now. So
2: uh-huh.
1: people are living, they're living their best life, their worst life, and the in-between. So there's mm-hmm. still people in groups who blame others for, like, why we, how we got here. There's still groups who want to change it. There's still people who are hopeful. And there's others who have lost all hope. So it's a show that is, you know, kind of playing with that subtext. And it's, so it's amazing to kind of see this play out
0: yeah. in, case, in real time. In case I didn't record earlier enough, or if I don't use this uh, before we before I before I introduce the uh, Justin here, uh, I was just telling a quick story. It Was uh, Friday? I was at the uh, grocery store, and anyone who's been in a grocery store lately knows it's not a fun experience. And all almost all the meat, for some reason, they had pork loin and. And, um, corned beef, I think it was the only meat they had. I don't know why pork loin, but all the, all the chicken was sold out. And, uh, I saw a guy like frantically grab all the chicken nuggets out of like, they had them like stacked in rows, like the Purdue, like the fresh chicken nuggets and grabbed them all into his car. It was like literally like 30, 30 packs. Everyone he didn't leave one behind. And I was just like, what are you going to do? I was just thinking, oh, my God, like, what are you going to do with all those chicken nuggets? I don't know. <laughs> what
1: are you going to do? You can't eat all it. It's going to go bad.
0: <laughs> right. Have yeah. food like that.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's Grabbing it's all weird. the vegetables, is that going to help you?
0: No, it's, it's no. It's terrible. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> I, yeah. and I, I mean, I take precautions and everything, and but I'm not, like, um, really, like... A panicky guy, except for when I go to the grocery store, because then I was like, oh, my God. You just feel like it just is a bad mm-hmm. feeling. Everyone just running around just with giant mountains in their cart. And I was like, oh, God, this is not a fun experience. I want to get out of here. Oh.
1: <laughs> Listen, I, I, I know this and this show is going to live on throughout perpetuity. So, I mean, we'll be remiss to not bring it up this time now. The coronavirus is out and um, it's a pandemic. And I think what has been something that is – I don't know, revealing about this state of, of mind that we're in right now is it's revealing a lot about how good we need to be to each other and how how separate certain things are and uh, how meaningless a lot of those those things tend to be and we put so much value on them. I mean, I went to the, the grocery store here and some of the stores I've been telling my, my loved ones is I'm in Texas right now filming the rest of Paragon, mm-hmm. um, editing and et cetera, we're in post. And then I went to go get water and there's all oh, the water's out. All the water's out. And I go to the store and then there's like Fiji yeah. and essential, <laughs> Because the expensive stuff is still there. Just uh-huh. not like the purified drinking water.
0: Yeah. And I'm like,
1: oh my God, all the whites are out. All the whites. Everything is gone. I go and I go get the dove face wipes or dove, you know, whatever, the the ones the the garnier. Uh-huh. The the ones that cost more than two bucks, two ninety nine and three ninety nine. Yeah. That's still there. So it's just this weird social economic like masterclass on even in a in a pandemic or even in this sort of state of heightened sense, sense of like urgency, you still can't afford that shit. Like it's still <laughs> like you still can't just go ramshack the the aisle of of smart waters, if you will. You feel me? Like isn't that crazy? It's like wow. Can you imagine that? Like zombie apocalypse and you can't afford to actually. <laughs> <laughs> to be <laughs> to be a rebel, uh-huh. it's like if Mad Max had gas prices. It just wouldn't right. work out. It's like, yo, yeah, uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I'm yeah. Too tall, but you can't actually get there.
1: It's <laughs> too expensive.
0: Uh-huh. It's fucking crazy. Uh huh. Ah. So so when did the when did you get involved in, in uh, Abominable? Let's get to uh, Abominable well, here for a
1: minute. Yeah, let's get into it. So Abominable. <laughs> um Direct, <laughs> the reason we're here I <laughs> thought uh-huh. was directed By Jamal Burton Who directed Elves Me um, I believe last year It's hard to keep up Because I'm just excited man. Anytime we're here To make content And have fun um, But this one Was shot In Massachusetts And totally. Poland okay. well, yeah, I'm yeah. in Massachusetts Poland, man.
2: Yeah.
1: Look at that Ain't uh-huh. that something If I can give you The actual city I wouldn't know it now Offhand Because it was a small town Yeah so I have to get it from um, one of the producers, Deanna Congo. So I- I'll get it and in- Facebook it to you. But um, all right. we were in Massachusetts, and it was snowing, but not snowing. The weather was mm-hmm. weird. It was snowing up near a certain section. So we had to go all the way up with crews up for some reason, because I was told <laughs> when we landed, snow would be everywhere. Of course, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah there's going to be snow everywhere. So as we get there, it's like snow in one section. So you had to go
2: all the
1: way up the road into uh-huh. the mountains for snow. It was crazy. Um, I would have just stayed home. Man. I was like, well, hell, snow is going to be that much of a travel. <laughs> to just stayed at the house, man. Um, yeah. But it, Jamal and them, they handled it well. and The, the movie is about a group of researchers. They um, get wind that their research team – uh, scaled the Himalayas and they got you know they got lost. They've been missing for a while, and they come and see that they've been tracking something. And we know what's gonna happen next. Um, you know the the Yeti creature is there, and it's just it's a it's just a fun movie. It's just one of those films. Joe Castro on the effects, mm-hmm. amazing gore. Um, I think this one's starring Amy Gordon, Katrina Matson, Uh, just just really Robert Berlin. Just really cool guys. Really cool castings. I haven't worked with before. So they all came in from New York, um, coming from L.A., and, you know, it was just, it was just fun. I, kinda, I was only there for a week because the whole point of having other people direct is so I can go do other shit. So <laughs> I came in, made sure everything was there, and everybody had a good time and, and kind of set the tone. And I think they had fun, man. It was, it was one of those movies where they could have extended it more, but I was like at some point, there's only so much walking in snow you can do so like you know let's just get to the to what we're here for it's like a a shark movie where they talk about what the shark might do for like an hour and 20 minutes and then then like someone dies at the end like ah so um i was like let's just have fun with this so it was a fun movie done uncorked keith Leopard, obviously killing the game uh comes out april 14th man so i think that's you know that's kind of the movie in a nutshell. I don't want to give too much away. Um, I yeah, just people of course. To, to see it, have fun with it. You know, it's
0: yeah
1: one of those and movies the, where you just pop in.
0: And the, the gore that's scenes are real. The gore scenes really are top notch. They're, uh, they're a lot of fun oh. and they, they look awesome. And Joe Castro does amazing work. It's uh and you could tell, you could always tell when uh, uh, Joe Castor does something, he has a, you could tell the, I think the fun that he has doing it comes through, even though it's someone being yeah. ripped apart and stuff. But yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, he has so
1: much fun. And I love Joe too. Joe, forgive me for my impression. Every time Joe comes I'm like, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So, all right. What do you want to say? He just handles it. And it's uh-huh. so much fun, to do. Like he has so much fun. Like I, I was like, let's take his arm off. And he always goes, he doesn't ask like why. He uh-huh. gives me okay. How do you want this to happen? You want it to come. <laughs> you want to see like like that. And he like you want to see the gore, of the teeth, and ah, you want to see the ripping of the <laughs> and he starts putting like the the tendons on the shit and then just all kind of stuff. And you start going it up. I was like, okay, that's a little too much gore. Okay, okay, okay. All right, you don't want that much gore. <laughs> he pulls it back. Oh, I love. I just love it, man. Like and he just just kills the game, man. It's so amazing. No, yeah, he's no, awesome. no drama, no problems. It's
0: awesome. In, he's working on a feature with you, edge, right? Guy. Yeah, uh, we filmed it in, um, December, uh, when I went out to LA and, uh, he did the, uh, the, um, the mask for the movie, which was, uh, which was uh, very, it's awesome. I love it. And, uh, yeah, he really wanted to be there to do some of the things, but, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It didn't work out that he'd be there, but, uh, but he would send me videos of him, you know, like on Facebook to me to ask him what was going on and stuff. So he's just a super (laughs) nice guy. Yeah.
1: He's, he's a real deal he's a real deal man you you hang around Joe he introduces you like you know you, he makes you feel like you really are someone it's really crazy mm-hmm. um, and he's so amazing and talented you know he doesn't there's no ego so it's, yeah. it's really cool he's like oh Justin Price I'm so blessed to have you here I'm like Joe what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is your thing your this is your event man it's a visual effects like showcase yeah.
0: like, it's, it's so you know he's that kind of guy
1: mm-hmm. he's always really humble and, and super super nice
0: so he's just yeah, one of my, my favorite people. But, yeah, he's awesome. It was my first feature, real quick, out uh, in in December, and uh, so um, I was there. I'm in the movie, a uh, small character, which people liked, and actually yeah. was expanded, which is uh, it was. I got to do more because people liked what I was doing, so it was very fun. And I uh, produced it, and also, uh, which is a little funny story, is they asked. I've never been. I've been on a movie set like for like an hour or something, just doing, you know. But uh, this was you know, the whole the whole time, and it was very cool. He rented like a, a cabin, and the whole cast was there, and it was a very small crew. And he kind of bonded with everybody, so it was a very nice experience. And uh, one of the things they asked me, uh, do you mind also doing the BTS footage? And I was like, yeah, absolutely, of course. And then I went and Googled that, because I was like, I have no idea what that means, BTS footage. And, uh, <laughs> but was, I found it behind the scenes. But I agree to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like, gotta yeah. say yes. To <laughs> figure that shit out later. I'll we'll
1: figure
0: it out. Even though yeah. we'll
1: figure it out. Hey, they they like ask for it, like off cuff real quick. Neil, you got that BTS? You like, yep. it's it's that. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I gotta go get it, right. but it's.
2: <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, yeah. That's my I'm, I'm, it's I'm almost I...
2: totally BTS. Yeah. <sighs>
1: Dude, how was it, man? I know that people have asked this question, but I be I gotta ask it. How was it being there making your first feature? Had it expanded like your viewpoints on, you know, just getting behind the camera or being, you know, yeah, whatever it producing. was it? Is
0: producing? it was a, yeah, it was an awesome just a great experience. Everyone was really prepared, which was which was great. Um everyone was super nice. Originally I was also gonna help cook, but uh Uh, Two of the actresses there were really uh, great cooks and they wanted to do that. So that worked out well. And uh, it was like a cool, you know, family experience. Everyone, you know, worked together and uh, it was fun to watch, you know, how a film was made. Also, it was interesting to watch how it was directed because I never knew exactly. Uh. I think we all know what, you know, we hear the term directing, but what does that really mean? And to see like Mm -hmm. the process from the the first time, the first take to the last take how how much the what the director does to like change how you know people interact with each other while they're they're performing that was really cool and then i, I got to mm-hmm. st- i was staying with um well we stayed in that cabin for like a week when we filmed and then i stayed with uh the director and his uh well the director and the and the d p they're married at their place you know afterwards in l a and so I watched him edit the movie, which was also a very oh, wow. interesting experience. You know, not the whole thing, but you know, uh, some of it, yeah. which uh, that was it was it was very cool to just uh, watch all of that and be part of it. And then, and then we made a second feature, um, with the same people here in uh, February. That one was a lot more hectic. Was uh, but uh, mm-hmm. I still had a good time. But it was a it was a much more hectic experience and uh, much more draining experience. I'm glad that yes. one came second, because I think if that came first, I might have been like, I don't know if this is something I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> Kinda, no, this is not a good starter. You know, and I'm going to say something, too, man. Just This is something I, I really have learned so much. Um, and I think it's hard as artists to articulate. Well, for me, I speak for me. I don't know everybody else, you know, um, to do what you do. Like to to run a show to to run you know be consistent podcast and consistent content consistent interview consistent questions, it seems um, like oh okay well he's doing a show and it's not like a, a disrespect to it it just it it, it feels because you make it look so easy you know mm-hmm. what I mean and I think until I get behind there and really delve into it and try to do it myself I just don't understand all the nuances of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those crazy vibes where uh, in Paragon, I had a producer, a private investor, um, an angel investor, who was like, you know what, come to Germany, we'll fund the whole trip. I was like, okay, cool. And you can tell he was, he, you know, he didn't really think about what that meant. He was just kind of like, it's movies, you know, let's have fun. And then <laughs> I was like, what well, can you handle putting the cast together? Putting together, because I don't know anyone in Germany. I don't, you know, know a Germany casting site. So I said, can you just put together the cast? If you have to utilize people, I don't know the language. Is that something you can do? He's like, yeah, 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 no problem. I got there, man. Within a week, um, I showed up, and everything seemed like it was ready to go. He seemed like he had no problems. It was all peaches and, and cream and amazing. And as soon as we started rolling the camera and people started canceling, um, you know, weather, location issues, we showed up to a set. There was a music video being filmed. Uh, permits being lost, all kind of shit that was going on. And, and he just started losing his mind. He's like, dude, it's like, what is going on right now? Like, why isn't stuff just happening? <laughs> like, what is going on? It should be perfect. I've talked to the people. I did the things. Why is this happening? I was like, dude, this is just day one. I was like, this is just how it happens, man. So you'll find yourself doing more. How do you figure shit out? Then you will find yourself being super creative. And I think, um, when we finished, I think I, I left Germany, what, two days ago? When we finished, he, he looked at me and said, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of see more about this industry and about how these things are put together. And, and I don't know, man, um, how much money you need. <laughs> he was uh-huh. like, how much more money do you need? <laughs> right. He he's <was> like, yo, <laughs> this shit is crazy. You just find mm-hmm. yourself... Like out of nowhere, just expenses or out of nowhere, just trying mm-hmm. to figure stuff out randomly. And you plan, there's no problem. And how mm-hmm. did this happen? How did that happen? Who did The generator blew. The light doesn't work. Who left the equipment? How did all this stuff happen? It's like putting together a miniature college run in a mm-hmm. week or something. It's just really crazy. So to see that experience, man, it was, it's just really one of those things. I think um, it shows you like when people are doing this at the highest level. Mm-hmm. um you know like really really making content um or even at any level to be honest but when they really are are speaking and finding their voice how much talent is really behind that so I, i'm just so excited man mm-hmm. as we continue to grow to to be able to expand into that because i even was like how hard could that be nolan
2: <laughs> <laughs> right right. <laughs> yeah.
1: right like i mean uh-huh. you have an imax camera you have 30 people bro i mean is that yeah. really
0: difficult
1: <laughs> to get that shot? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, I'll, it does give me a different, you know, perspective. I knew, like, you know, it wasn't, I figured it wasn't like easy, but it's definitely much more to it than you, than, than you know. Uh, just filming it and getting, you know, the shots and then uh, the coverage of each person and then, uh, just putting everything together oh. and then now then after it's all over it's uh, plus you have to think well you have to feed everybody and just a lot of little things that you wouldn't <laughs> even think about you know you don't think about it. it's like yeah. why do you
1: guys eat already like what is it <laughs> don't you and then people eat three times i'm like wait a minute i don't eat three times now who eats three times in a day <laughs> right just eat randomly you know like <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah i had to, to give i i I changed my diet a lot. I've lost 145 pounds. But uh, so the exactly. first day on, thank you. The first day on set, I was like, "Oh man, I gotta, you know, I gotta stick to the no cars. But but I I was like on the set, I was like, "I gotta give that up for a while we're making this movie because it's gonna be impossible to uh yeah. to really stick." And then afterwards, yeah. I can go back to my regular uh, my regular schedule because when I was on set, you just had yeah. to eat like some pretzels here and there and whatever it was was. Oh it. my god. Oh my God! Dude.
1: You had to. I know you haven't given us much about it, so please let me know when you can tell us what the, the premise is for the first one you did. Yeah, and the, the first one.
0: Yeah, the first one actually is a little secret at the moment, so I can't talk to you. I'll tell will tell you about this one. Okay. But the the second okay. movie, um, th- there's some stuff up. It's a it's a quote unquote documentary, uh, a mockumentary about um, two uh, stars from a, uh, from a slasher film that was made in 1970 who uh, both take credit for the, for the mass killer in that movie. And, uh, which mm. is loosely inspired by a lot of, a lot of, uh, real life, you know, uh, people who fight over, um, who played, you know, what character we've seen it all the way back to like creature from black lagoon. The two guys used to fight, like who really deserved the credit. Um, uh, but the yeah. people fought yeah. over Jason you know, in, in part two and, and so on. And, um, and so, uh, so they're at a convention for the first time together. And it's very cool because I got to use people that like I've you know uh, made friendships with uh, Eben McGar from Mad Monster Party. Big uh, uh, convention was very cool to let us film there. So you uh-huh. know to have the the actual background of an actual convention going on, you know that would be impossible to really pull off. Yeah, you know, with an, an, yeah, with an indie budget uh, to actually let us film there, and he actually let me film a uh, a, a fake. Uh, Fake panel with the with the with the actors, even in front of an actual audience, and so odd stuff, you know, would have been impossible unless I was, you know, uh, Eben was cool enough to let yeah. us do it. And uh, it's just the it's a pretty wild one. We still have to uh, film some stuff. We because we only had three days there, so we filmed all the stuff with the with the two leads because we only had them for a certain amount of time. But we had to film some other stuff to to bring up the movie. And the leads are um, Bill Whedon from uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man*. And I don't know if you're familiar with the movie uh, The Greasy Strangler, but Michael St. Michael uh, The Greasy Strangler, which was very exciting to uh, to work with.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, that just sounds amazing. I'm not familiar, but I definitely will get familiar now. That is awesome, dude. Uh, uh, your, your premise is amazing too, man. Just to be able to get that convention, um, yeah. I, oh man, I'm telling you, that part of it, I, I never will. That will never get old for me that part where you go, okay, can we get that? Can we make that happen? And then just somehow, uh, and, and people like Evan being able to say, yeah, come on in and we'll put the panel up. I mean, it's amazing because, because again, you, you take that for granted. I believe, I don't know. I had a lot mm-hmm. of money for Paragon. I took a lot of shit for granted. Um, but I think that is always going to be the heart of it. Like, how do you use your creativity to tell your story? So that is awesome, man. And congratulations on it. It's not, it's not Thank easy. You. Um. Not even just feature filmmaking. I mean, just it's just not easy in general. Piecing people together and doing whatever you love to do, no matter what it is. Yeah. Even if it's that, you know,
0: stick figures. And it made me feel good. I was like, you know, being being a nice guy paid off because if I wasn't nice, to Been yeah. over the years, like you know, he wouldn't have. He even told me he's like, if anyone else asked. To do this, I would have said no. Mm-hmm. But like but it's like you know, whatever. And I was like, you know, it made me feel good. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I never I wasn't nice to him hoping to one day, you know, make a movie at the convention. I, <laughs> exactly. that. I just was nice to him because I like him and I try to be nice to everybody. So yeah, you know, it was it was a good feeling all around. Yeah. hundred percent. That's awesome, so, man. No, that's that's it. It pays itself back, man. Real talk. So Paragon, which you gave the premise, which sounds yes. very cool. No and it sounds topical, which I assume when you actually uh, w- when you were creating like the, the Paragon, when all your people were creating Paragon, you know this wasn't around yet the uh, the virus and stuff. So no,
1: no. Okay, I got a lot, a few interesting stories. We'll see what it is. It's cut me off when it's time. Uh, sure. <laughs> now I'm joking. No, um, I started this premise uh, 2012 when I was doing the cloth. I got funding from the cloth, um, from a video game company and then from this guy who did music who wanted to remain anonymous and he just wanted to get into films. And I was like, that's cool. Let's do it. Let's, let's get into films. And, and true story. When he gave me the, the million dollars, like half a million or so to start, I ended up getting more money, but he gave me that to start, which is what you need. You need someone to give you that seed money. Cause you cannot, I don't care how much you dream, you got to have the, the, you know, the, the backing to to get some of that shit moving. Right. Mm-hmm. And so while that was happening, Um, I started thinking this really cool concept at the time. It was just going to be called reapers. And the plot was there were four grim reapers based off the four horses of the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the white horse, the pale, the black, the red, et cetera. And they all had names that were in in vain with the the color white or black, like Valconan for white, et cetera. Right. And uh, it was going to be really cool. They came here. They, uh, it would, they were going to be in different sections. Like Africa had the Black Reaper. Uh, <laughs> you, you get what I mean. It's yeah. just going to be so I can have diversity. So it's like 2011. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I just want to make sure we have diversity in it. So it's going to be like Asian American actors. It's going to be African American actors, Hispanic actors. i was just going through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the point of that story was they have powers and they walk amongst us and people are using – a super drug that was created back in from someone who escaped hell and the super drug was called eternity and the super drug was giving people powers. So the Reapers, their goal was to go in and and sort of weed out all the people who were becoming too strong, et cetera, et cetera, along with other people and factions, right? Fast forward a few years, (laughs) And I'm getting Paragon off the ground, which is loosely based off Reapers. And I see a show called The Boys, and I'm like, oh fucking a. So <laughs> it's like, it's like, so it's like, it's like you gotta be kidding me, man. So all some of the concepts, what happens is you start something so long ago, and you pitch, you talk, and other people have similar ideas. They pitch, they talk, and before you know it, man, that's some stuff that you probably started developing a long time ago. That. It's like, oh, well, someone beat you to the punch on that, mm-hmm. and uh, so you kind of have to readjust and and try to keep what you can and and move it around a bit. You don't mm-hmm. stop paying the sixteen because Rembrandt's doing his own version of the Renaissance, <laughs> so you know you still, <laughs> like you still have to keep moving. Yeah, but yeah. so so Paragon now is in his current iteration is essentially there are four Reapers amongst the Descendants, which are people who are brought back to life by death. Um. And they're essentially here and they can't interact with their loved ones anymore. Um, They have powers, you know, Uh, they can do things, but they each have certain disciplines. Like some people can move things, some people can read minds, some people can. So I just wanted to make sure we had enough world to expand on because it's a series. So I couldn't just kind of, you know, go straight in. And there's a lot of shows that kind of deal with death and the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to implement a lot of these things as well. Because um, I think it's one of the last frontiers. I think space was one of the final frontiers, but I believe the afterlife is the one where we're going to start getting more and more enamored with science, like scientifically, not mm-hmm. just, you know, meta, you know what I mean? Not just religion wise, not just metaphysical. Yes. I mean, just scientifically, we're going to start going, wait a minute. This is something that shows us that blah, blah, blah happens after death, for mm-hmm. example. And we can prove it scientifically. So I think that's going to, again, change people's perspective on things and perception. I think that's sort of where I wanted to play with in the subtext of this show. In mm-hmm. uh, Paragon, like what people really think about, like we really, what are you living for? Are you living to just, you know, uh, live the best journey you had and then just, that's it? Do you care? <laughs> uh, do you care about your fellow people? What about your children? What about your friends? Um, it's just so many interesting narratives I wanted to go and play with So yeah, it starts off with a virus that had wiped out a lot of people. And that was the first initial, um, introduction to the Reapers, which Mm -hmm. are called descendants in the show. And it was like, Oh shit, these people exist. They walk amongst us and they do bad shit. So the job of the Reapers is to go through and remind people since they, they can no longer die. Hey, here goes a plane crash. You know, like mm-hmm. here goes a, a virus. Here goes something to show you that you just can't, you know, live out here without being judged in some way. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where we are, it, man, as far as the overall premise. And it has been, it has been, Neil, when I listen, we've shot over 400 hours of content.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: I am exhausted. i am exhausted man we've been in like eight countries i am exhausted so it is it is germany iceland poland russia uh beijing uh, cambodia thailand um shit osaka tokyo i mean i can go on and on man we've been everywhere to shoot this damn thing and It has been amazing, man. I couldn't have done it without my producer, Koo, without Francisca Schistler, man. Picture Zero. Just, I don't know, man. It's really wild. And uh, we've gotten a lot of offers from people, a lot of content, you know, places, Mm -hmm. Netflix, etc. It's it's been really amazing to see that, although I'm going to tell you right now, I have no freaking clue what that means. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: you yeah, know. Say, it's a, right now is a time though for series because there's so many streaming sites and they all need you know content, oh my God, but yeah, I don't know what it means i, I mean I'm excited
1: yeah, right. um, but but it's there's, uh, there's deals that that sound amazing, but okay, so I won't name the company because but just know it's a big company wink wink, they said we'll put your series on our platform. Mm-hmm. we won't pay you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a huge platform and uh-huh. if it does well there's this 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 sort of agreement where and i'm only doing this because i'm talking to you about it you know and help there's other filmmakers who will, who will you know get on and and maybe learn some i don't know maybe no more than me if it does well then they'll come back and we'll renegotiate based off of the numbers right mm-hmm. now again I'm like, that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> However right, it's right. a huge sight. So you you almost you know, it's like sort of weighing this notion of do you direct um, you know, the new Ninja Turtle movie knowing that it may not be good, uh, but <laughs> but you're working with Paramount, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um or do you <laughs> do you turn down that movie and go do your independent film? based off of your life, automatic story yeah. graphical story. Right. You, you see what I mean? So it's like yeah. this sort of push in line where I'm like, damn, where do we put the show? Because mm-hmm. are we looking for like just notoriety? Like just look at the shows everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, or do you go, well, no, let's try to do, because it'd be exclusive. Let's try to do multiple places. But yeah, all, of, all the places have come, minus Disney Plus, and it has been... Quite amazing um, to even be in the conversation with him. So that's that's a blessing, man. I, I'm just telling you right now, honestly, I have no clue what it means. Yeah, I was, gonna, um, I
0: was I was gonna ask, like, uh, is there anyone you do like advice for? But this kind of whole thing is like a new world where I don't know if there's really anyone who to get like you know like great right advice from.
1: Uh, well, you know, I, I I try my best. This is what I say, and uh, again, this is gonna. Uh, hopefully age well when we talked a long time ago i was like it's going to be a point in time where the independent film game is going to flip and everything is going to be an app on the Uh tv i think we can go back and listen to that like 2014 uh or somewhere around there 16 whatever as i do it's going to just be apps that's it and now that's obviously coming around and uh i mean anyone can see that really coming right so i say this now i believe as content creators Right now, episodic will usurp independent Filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a point where ASM is essentially just a hotbed for what series have you created, mm-hmm. and no, no longer what feature film you've created. Just because the numbers don't make sense, mm-hmm. um, people don't consume a feature film the same way. Uh, I would put it the equivalency of watching one soccer game and watching the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what would, would be something the television station would come for you for? Would it be like, hey, yo, thank you for this one event? Mm-hmm. Or thank you for, you know, the U F the UEFLA lead, you know? Sure. So I think that's going to be more along the lines of what's happening now. And I think to be in tune with that is really going to show you, like, you have to start getting even more creative because the numbers won't increase. That's going to be unfortunate. So you do a series, it's not like you're going to make more money at this point because p- no one knows how to monetize it right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I have a show right now I spent over, just, to, just say millions, and that's not a uh, an inflated number for, like, ratings or um, just to say, like, I shot it, you know, for a high number. Those are real numbers. Just to get people on set for a day um, for a week of shooting or so, man, it was like $100,000, 150000 hundred fifty. You know, just having Danny there for for a day or two cost more than I spent on, you know, three films. Yeah. So <laughs> so that's just, you know, just reality. Because mm-hmm. also think about it this way, you know there's a series, it's not a film, so there's more to happen later. So mm-hmm. you have film like Name Talent, they're not just inclined to jump on your project as just a talent at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's even more expensive, you know, um, because it's not a one off what if you get mm-hmm. season two? What right. you know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. if it's a big series that takes you, right. know, if
0: it's another, yeah. you know, and you, so can't, you, you can't lose your main, you know, your main name from it if it goes on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and they right. know that too. So the negotiation right, right. is not just, hey, so episode <laughs> one, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> one, one week of shooting and we're good? No, it's uh-huh. more like, okay, so what happens when this happens? What happens when that happens? Mm-hmm. So everything's expensive. Everything is, is touted at, at a higher level. So I, I would say just focus on that. Focus on on how to create, because you don't have to have a name, and that's the mm-hmm. great thing about it. You can still do episodic content. You can still do, you know, and Quibi's coming out, so that's mm-hmm. 10 minutes. You can do, um, you know, a whole series in 10 minutes, a whole 15-minute series. It doesn't have to be. I'm doing an hour-long episodic. That's why mm-hmm. it's so expensive. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking 50 minutes of content.
0: Mm-hmm. So...
1: It's like seven, like three or four feature films, pretty much, once you add it all up. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's been a while, man. So I say that. I say that's kind of what's going on. That would be my advice. My advice would be to look at the changing guard in the market and not just stay stagnant into what you're creating right now, Mm -hmm. because it's going to change. That will be the new normal. I promise you. It'll be South by Southwest episodic corner Mm -hmm. will be the place everyone's at more so than the new film from whatever person in Chile, yeah, yeah. you know, it'd be, it'd be about that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I already see so many of the, if even with first was basic cable, all this, this uh, things. And then with the streaming, there's so many mm-hmm. series, And there's a lot of series that I don't think would have ever been made years ago. Um, because they're giving mm. things more of a, uh, a chance. Maybe that would seem like a niche audience that, well, we were not going to make that when there's like five network channels. Yeah. But, now that we have all these other things, hey, we'll give this a shot and uh, see if it, even see even kind of big stuff. Like I doubt like a show about a school teacher that became I mean, uh, yeah, a school teacher became like a meth dealer would have been made back when there was only a few networks. But, uh, you know, they gave this weird show a shot. And it became one of the biggest shows, you know, of, of modern time. Oh, yeah. With, with Breaking wow. Bad.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. man It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Neil, and that's why I think that's where we are now. So to put – like we're at that stage where that's – okay, right now Um, the big companies, the Disney Pluses, the Amazon, the Netflixes, et cetera, et cetera, right? The big companies are the ones that are looking for content in a way where they're not derivative of of people having an in. Feature films, you have to have an in. So mm-hmm. I can't go make Project X2 or right. – uh, underworld Five or something like that, right? I don't know anyone in the industry that's going to give me the 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 alley oop to say, come on up here and make this feature film, <laughs> make Shazam. You know, uh-huh. yeah. I, I don't have anyone that's going to do that, right? <laughs> uh-huh. So that's what the feature film game has sort of um, migrated towards, and and that's where it is now. It's encapsulated in a who you know, what can you do, and and how can we sort of cultivate your talent but also in line with the system. Mm -hmm. The episodic game right now is at the place where it's more like if you can do it, we actually don't really know what works right now. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's no real set rule. There's no like do 10 minutes, do 30 minutes, do 40 Mm -hmm. minutes, you know, do, do what I, and so that means it's open now for independent artists to make your headway. So it's a, it's a little different from feature films because in feature films, that game has been sold up so much. I know thirty minutes is not. I can't monetize. Fifteen minutes is a short mm-hmm. film. Really, I can't do shit with an, You know, it, so many that genre won't work. This genre would work. You have to have a horse in the faith movie. Like there's so many things you can say
2: <laughs> that <Yeah>. would
1: go. <laughs> that would go. Dean Cain and Kenneth Sorbo better be in it. Like there's so much that happens, that happens with the feature film mm-hmm. um, that you know a lot more of what can happen monetization wise, which is the key mm-hmm. episodics, man, I don't think you have a clue. Yeah. No,
0: clue. So, about that. The, the, the time is a, tr- is really true. Cause I know like, you know, an adult swim, like they'll have shows that are like eight minutes long or 15 minutes long. And, you know, I think if you're on like a regular network, it has to be, you know, a set amount of time, mm-hmm, uh, cause mm-hmm. they have, 'Cause they have commercials. But if something that does wouldn't have commercials. commercials, yeah, it could really be like you said it really anything if it's if it's on a a streaming platform because people are just gonna either binge watch it or watch an episode at a time. So it really wouldn't matter how long it was necessarily. Correct. Correct.
2: Yeah,
1: as long as it's good. As long as you're telling good stories. I mean, dude, that that's that's networks and streaming sites I didn't even know about. Like that stuff that stuff I don't even know. I'm working for a company right now, shots out last one, Quincy Newell who used to be at Code Black, obviously worked on so many of Kevin Hart's projects, um, the perfect match. Just, if you don't know what Quincy Newell is, he's been in this game for so long, him and his partner, Jed Clannigan. But Quincy had his own venture now. He's starting a company called 2114 Media. Mm-hmm. And I'm essentially uh, co-partnering with them. I have a white label agreement. Um, so I'm acquiring content. I'm also developing projects through his label. Um, right now he's starting his own streaming service and that's going to be coming out soon. And it's like, and for someone like him who has the resources, you know, and the cachet who's worked not only with Kevin Hart, but with, you know, whatever, he just named someone uh, Forrest Whitaker, et cetera, et cetera. He's been at Lionsgate, Cold Black. So he's been working with the bigger higher ups. And so now to be partnering with him, dude, it's like one of those things I can't even it's so much going on in my life right now. And so blessed I can't even put it all together, you know, so much happening, but he started his streaming service and they already have a great content lined up and a library of old, great content, you know, movies they've licensed from the past, you know what I mean? Like stuff like boys in the hood, stuff like that. So you can kind of get it. And when that comes, again, it's just going to be just another, another way to, to, that's going to be more like urban based but mm-hmm. you can be niche like urban movie town. you can be niche
0: in your audience yeah mm-hmm. so yep another opportunity mm-hmm. so uh, actually i like um working with danny trejo w- what's that like because i've i knew i used to know him a little bit from uh the the, fe- the convention scene when i was really in the conventions a lot and uh he's a really great guy so what was he like to work with yes yes same thing fucking phenomenal
1: danny trejo is He's literally probably one of my favorite actors because he's the closest I've been so far in my career to like an A-list. And mm-hmm. I say that um, because he his name and face is so recognizable. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like he can't go anywhere and people go, oh, who was that guy? You know, it's <laughs> like they know who that is. You know, it's yeah. like, yo. And so so on my set. Right. Funny thing. I didn't want anyone on my set to take pictures and I just want to keep yeah, stuff under wraps just because I like to reveal it later and shit, you know, so I didn't tell him who was coming. So everyone's just kind of preparing and Danny doesn't give a shit. He just does his thing. He has a driver. Um, and Mario his his best friend. He's always next to him. They pull up in like a black SUV park on set. Cause it's in a warehouse, like a music video. They park right on the side and he just walks through the set. to the the dressing room and everyone was just kind of like what the fuck right Uh he just kind of walks through the set no shirt on shorts (laughs) like you know straight up like you know converse and socks Uh (laughs) and he just walks on through and everybody's like is that Danny fucking trailer just walking through the set yeah he's playing (laughs) Kincaid, and that's just that's how he is he's just cool as shit like he has no ego no like he doesn't do all the Hollywood stuff when people are um, when we're shooting outside and the workers were next to the building we were on. You can lift up the garage doors, and they were, like, sewing and, and doing all kind, of making clothes. And some of them were like, oh, that's Danny Trail. And he turned around, and he saw them looking at him. He, he had his shirt off in the scene. So he goes over and starts taking pictures with everybody, you know, just starts, like, shaking hands and asking <laughs> yeah. them what they do. You know, hey, what, is this, what are you doing here? And everybody's like, oh, yeah. And it just became a whole 30-minute, you know, intermission of this guy just taking pictures and interacting with the fans while he's shooting. Mm-hmm. so it's just really cool man I, just, I mean he's just so fucking so fucking dope dude and, and just to see him do shit on set yeah it's like it's almost weird to direct it like it's almost like i almost <laughs> feel like people who have directed him you know what i mean like yeah I'm like, right right. He's right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ashton, you know and <laughs> right. someone with a shotgun yeah. i'm like yeah that's exactly how you say <laughs> yeah, <yeah>, it. <yeah."> uh-huh. <laughs> so. I feel, like i feel like i'm big time now I'm like guys I, oh yeah I'm uh, right now yeah can you guys calm <laughs> down <laughs> i start like being on set like legit turning to a complete different person hey everyone can you silence I'm, I'm meditating before we shoot danny can we all like quiet <laughs> yeah. can we quiet down during lunch i don't want danny to be disturbed before i direct him i have to give him notes <laughs> <laughs> and that shit scares you man because he um i would do the scene and he's like uh he does the scene. He's like, "No one knows what they hold on to until they die, or whatever, right?" Yeah. And and cut. And he looks over at me. He's like, "Did you get what you need?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah." I mean, I don't. What am I? I don't know, man. I don't know what you have to say. Like, <laughs>
2: uh-huh. like, like, yeah, do it again? again. Like, you know, yeah. there's
1: no bullshit. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, like, why? Like, you have to explain uh-huh. why we're doing it again. Like, did you uh-huh. not like it? No, I liked it. I just, I just want to get another okay, well, what are you doing? I'm just getting another two-shot. <laughs> just because... you just getting yeah. a two-shot because...
2: Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> we got you here, so why not? All <laughs> right, Take advantage. <laughs> but it's weird, because he's not down. Like,
1: he really needs... To, he's an actor, so it's just mm-hmm. something that surprises you when people take it that serious, because to be honest, I just didn't think he took it that serious. I was like,
2: mm-hmm. you know...
1: are you going to just you know whatever just show up and be cool and just do it no he's like what is the emotion of the character right now like what am I doing and and what are you shooting like you're shooting a a medium you floating are you doing a two shot here are you shooting up on me is that power am I supposed to be I'm like oh my god
2: I should have actually
1: paid attention in film school (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: this
0: is ridiculous (laughs) get get some lessons here from Trejo I know (laughs) (laughs) Hey, <laughs> you start like re-reversing it. What would you do? Uh, <laughs> oh, a two shot. Yeah, me too. Me
1: too. Yeah, I see that. I see a two shot as well. <laughs> and I, I would I damn think, shoot that thing.
0: You know, when when you say like you didn't think he took it's you know, that serious, and I don't think obviously he didn't mean like uh, he doesn't take acting serious. But you think like because he's such a chill guy, you think he he just does this all naturally, which is really his talent that he comes off so natural. And uh, yeah yes
1: exactly well not yeah exactly thank you for that because it's it's yeah. like that serious like that into your craft there's like some people who do music right and i think it's probably a better way of doing this they have such a genius about them like you didn't realize how much how much went into it. like michael jackson for this is us we all know michael jackson's amazing uh god rest his soul you know i know he's dead r.i.p but he's amazing we've seen him do dancing and, and the moonwalk and all that but you see just the outside you see michael jackson the artist. It wasn't until he did the This Is Us documentary that this dude would do a step, pause, and look at his dances and go, okay, everyone, we're off the half beat on the E flat, and I need everyone on the first beat of the F sharp. I'm like, what the? Like, I like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I thought he was just out there, like, moonwalking and naturally just. Do-do-do-do. But no, he's legitimately, and Frank Sinatra was that way too. He can sing amongst an orchestra, and then he would stop the whole orchestra. Hey, everyone, pause. Who is off key? and this, whatever, this stanza, and he'll tell you what note, where it was, who did it, how it d- and it's just like, whoa, whoa, I thought you just came out and, you know, just kind of came out and did <laughs> right. your thing, and it was just like, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and hmm right. no, like, uh-uh. I'm about this, this is the craft, not just yeah. how talented I am, give me a script, and I'm gonna come out here and play this character, you know, like, here I come, and And here you go, and this is what I've been working on. Nope, it's more like that's just a part of it. And so that, so I guess I kind of answered the question. What I was being taught more and more when you work with people at this level Mm -hmm. is that it's not just as because I'm just so used to like you learned your lines, (laughs) (laughs)
2: like oh thank God
1: Uh we finished today, you know, (laughs) you know you did a good scene. Oh that's great, you took my material and you did it. It looked good, great, 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 great. Uh Now we're at that level where it's like yo that's that's kind of a given. What are we doing here? Right. You know, like what is this? What does this scene mean to you? It's not something I'm prepared to answer the day of when I'm paying all this money. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh shit. <laughs> I just thought it was self-explanatory. But let me break this down and let me get into, you know, cause it's not just what I think as an artist. I have to make sure people can convey it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I think I get into a lot of that in my career so far in general is I have a lot of great shit going on in my head but I'm kind of expecting everyone to know it like (laughs) like get there somehow and it's like wait a minute that's what I'm there for as a director (laughs) wait a minute that's the description (laughs) of the job okay let me go back and read that again (laughs) like legit Neil I'll be on the sideline going why is everyone fucking up this scene instead of going (laughs) "Ah." right right yeah (laughs) Yeah,
0: like I said, when I was working on the first movie I did, uh, I didn't, like, you have in your head, like, what a director is, but actually seeing it, I was like, oh, this is how they, how they progress, and this is (laughs) what what they get out of the actors, it was was very interesting, I don't think, I don't think really anyone knows, unless you've been on set, what a director actually does.
1: Oh, my God, me too, apparently, I need to be on set, and (laughs) really, really figure this whole thing out, I'm, I'm, like, I'm I'm telling you, man, um, God. It's, it's so much because I have it up in my mind and I have so much going on. So many people around me and they're amazing. I don't want to, uh, I know I'm tongue in cheek on it, but yeah, it's, it's just so much. You're always learning, you mm-hmm. know, and it's so much you you have to have access to because if you don't work with people that are, and that's why you want people that are better than you or people who are pushing you and challenging you. If no one ever challenges you, scenes don't challenge you. Writing doesn't challenge you. Then you're just going to make the same thing, same song, same movie same script. You're going to write it the same way, shoot it the same way. There's no point in changing up. Um, everything's formulaic. So I think, um, for the most part, man, what, what Trejo has taught me so much, even in shooting Paragon, and what everyone has, because so many people are talented around me, cool, Francisca, just all, all the people are so, so talented. Is that you do need a team of people who have not just like-minded ideals, but, who really want to go forward and push the narrative. I mean, we have been working on this show now for a year and that takes a mental strain on you. A mental toll that I didn't know was like part of the penance because it is real. I mean, you have to legitimately like each other and you have to legitimately want to be better because you're going to get pushed. Like there's times when I'm like, just shoot the shot, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> just, just fucking shoot it. I don't know. And then it's like, that's not, it's not good enough. You know, it's just not good enough. We can't just shoot the shot. So what are we trying to say? And it's like, okay, all right, well, let's take a minute and let's examine this and let's really get in there. And, um, let's make sure we have a, have a, a point of view. And again, that's just so counterproductive to a lot of things that I thought, um, initially back when I was 16 or 15, I just was having fun. You see what I mean? It was just fun um, it was how do we just do things. And as I progressed over the years and, and started doing films and, and sort of going through my own film school, with making The Mummy, making Dark Secret, making The Cloth, making Dark Blue Rises, making Abominable, making these kind of films, it's, it's kind of showcasing me like um, a lot of stuff that you can't really learn unless you're there with your hands in it around great people. Um, that
0: sounds like the PSA.
1: <laughs> oh, no, it totally makes
0: sense and i would think like uh if you work with people that are like uh relatively the same experience level, like if you're all you know just starting, you know you're not necessarily gonna learn a lot from each other, but when you start to work with people who have experience, even if they're not you know Danny Treo but people that just have experience uh that you don't have, then you're gonna learn for, you know from those people mm. Oh my God!
1: mhm oh it's amazing It's amazing that's why I'm looking forward to this this next few steps man in my in my actual narrative career. I uh, hope Paragon's is a springboard twenty one fourteen media is a springboard because um I want access to that. you have to have access to it. I can have all the ideas in the world, you know you and I, but you have to have access to someone that can take that's what makes James Cameron my favorite director It's not because he he doesn't, he doesn't rest on being James Cameron. Like mm-hmm. you see how he does avatar. He goes out and finds someone who understands, um, you know, deep diving. And he, he himself deep dives and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't just go. Okay, cool. What is that deep dive? And that sounds interesting, cool and cute. Let's just <laughs> right put it in avatar. You know, like <laughs> that sounds like some cool shit. Do it. Uh-huh. It's more like, okay, what does it mean to be in the ocean? And he explores it for like a year. and then he comes up with concepts but even him he's not he's not like a visual effects artist like that he Mm -hmm. couldn't probably draw anything but like steve jobs i guess is another example he couldn't make the iphone but (laughs) (laughs) but like he could tell you what needs to happen and that's that's the crazy thing about that because it's like, well, hold on. You couldn't actually tell me what this is. Is this a microchip or not? I don't know. Uh-huh. But I know that needs to be in this. All right. <laughs> and it needs yeah. to be this small. And it's like, oh, damn, vision. And so yeah. it just takes, and that's that's kind of like what I, I, I think it is man, when you have people around you like that, you know, mm-hmm. pushing
0: well, and you that way. It's kind of a tangent, I guess, but when you brought up James Cameron, I don't know if you've ever read the Lance Henriksen uh, autobiography, but a really cool part of that is. Um, the reason why James Cameron worked with land so much, like when he started doing big movies was when they did uh piranha two together, he said like, those were the only two guys that really took it seriously. Like the rest of the people like, Oh, we're just making this, you know, dumb sequel to the horror movie what does <clears> it matter. But James Cameron, that was his first direct movies directing, so he took it very serious. And Lance Henriksen was in the movie, and he didn't think of it like this is just some dumb movie. Um, you know, I'm going to act in this movie. This is you know, you take everything seriously, and uh, he respected yes. that and and remembered that, and you know, put him in Terminator and, and Aliens, and you know, a lot of the stuff he made.
1: Wow, that no, nice. I know that. See, yeah. that is amazing, man. That is amazing because that movie, I'm pretty sure, did not turn out as just a simple. Campy horror film.
2: hmm
1: Piranha. So yeah. I mean the camera's behind it. It's it's right. gotta be dope. It's gotta yeah. be. Yeah. So oh my goodness, man.
0: It's fucking right. it. <laughs> so Abominable comes out April fourteenth and Paragon will to we'll we'll keep uh keep in touch for when uh you know when we hear more about when we'll be able to see this or where we'll be able to see this. Oh, end of the year.
1: End of the year, man. That's it. 2020. So it's coming out this All year, right. but I will definitely keep in touch. We'll hopefully jump on and, you know, chop it up about it.
0: Uh, especially once right. I had the particulars. Yeah. Always, it's always great to have you on. We should do it more often. I always like awesome. to talk Thank you, you so much, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, it is, it is really cool to see you doing so much because you're a really good, a good guy. And it's, uh, you know, it's cool to see you. it was a set your second feature that I talked to you first to, to see you, you know uh you know, putting out so much stuff out there and now you know going to the next level with this with this series it's uh i'm very proud of you and it's very cool to, to see that
1: thank you man thank you' recipient oh. i'm proud of you uh staying staying in good spirits good energy man and and i think you're just gonna you just tip in the surface of uh where you're going with your creative creative promise so good
0: energy to you neil you are awesome Thank you. I appreciate that. It's always good to talk with you. All right. No. All
1: right. Well, I am I let me know when else you need me and uh please tell me offline about the
0: the movie. I definitely will. I definitely will. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: from ancient terrors to the search
0: for modern day conspiracies the tomb of nick cage is the new sound and horror rock uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on itunes amazon and more
2: Ripley, and
1: the tomb of nick cage
2: coming night! coming night! coming night!
0: Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The
1: tomb of Nick Cage. night!
0: This is Joe Netter, the HANA Killer, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Jacqueline Beetham of Getaway, which comes out on DVD and in Video on Demand, April 14th. And it's very cool to have you here.
2: Thank you. It's so great to be here.
0: It's a crazy time right now in the world.
2: Oh, my gosh. It's so insane. It's. I just hope everyone's staying safe and getting through. I know It's just like... A lot of people in my generation, especially like we've never lived through anything like this. So it's, it's definitely an interesting time.
0: Yeah. So, uh, let's get away from that. Let's get some people, some entertainment (laughs) for, uh, cause you can see all that if you look on social media or the internet or anywhere, really. Exactly. But so, uh, so getaway, I I don't know if this is as pleasant. It's it's not really a pleasant movie either. I guess now I think about it, but, uh, can you give people an idea of what getaway is about?
2: Yeah, Getaway is a psychological thriller slash horror um, about three girls who go on a getaway trip. Um, one gets taken by a group of cultish men who then, now that she's on their property, goes through some extreme measures and you kind of have to watch to figure out who's cat and whose mouse by the end.
0: Yeah, which Because it, it has, um you know, it's set up for like kind of a non-traditional horror movie, but movies like we've seen before. But it goes a lot different directions.
2: Exactly, yeah. There's a lot okay. of twists and turns.
0: Mm-hmm. And you co-wrote it. So was this the first script that you've written?
2: I've actually written several scripts, but um, I wrote good. it with my... Yeah, I uh, had written several scripts, but they were huge budget and I wanted to get the movie made and I wanted to produce it. Um, and so I was talking to my partner and he was like, you need to write something that we can actually make. And so we came up with this idea and I started writing and it kind of just like fell onto the page, and we created it, and then we were able to shoot it like three months later. So it so, happened uh, very quickly.
0: That's cool. I'm so, sorry? uh, I was just saying, your partner, Lane, uh, Lane Torin, is uh, who's also in the movie. Yeah, so had he you worked together movie. before in projects? Right. Um,
2: uh, we actually hadn't. This is his first, it's his directorial debut, and it was the first. I had produced like music videos and small things like that. I had never produced a full length feature. Um, so it was an exciting procedure and process to go through for me because I've always worked in front of camera, but I really wanted to start migrating into the behind the scenes and, you know, on the other side of the camera and start producing and writing. Um, And so I got to learn a lot and I appreciate production so much more now on being on the other side of it as an actor. I feel like all actors should have to work (laughs) on all sides of the camera because there's so much that goes into it. And I don't think actors realize that and we take it for granted. Um, But I loved, loved producing. It was incredible.
0: Two things there. So, you said you like you think all actors should do that, and I assume Mm -hmm. what you meant is like you know people. Then that you'd have respect for every for every job there and stuff. Yeah. But do you think that also helps you as an actor to to see the different sides?
2: Oh, a hundred percent. I think even watching Lane work as a director and working directly with the DP and with the focus puller and with everyone and wearing all the different hats and making sure everyone needed what they needed. Um, It taught me so much just about film and how much really goes into the scene. And it helped with my acting a lot. I think um, just understanding all the variables that go behind each shot. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, um, when you guys were writing it, did you both know you'd be in it? Was that always the plan?
2: Yeah, I think it just is when you're making an indie film, it just, makes it easier. Um, And I knew writing it, I knew his capabilities, he knew my capabilities. So we were able to write scenes and things that we knew were our strengths were. Um, And that would help us build the story and bring it to life. So it made it a lot easier being able to like build these characters around what we knew we could do. (laughs) Um, And, you know, with indie film, you... Every hand on deck is used. So it just made it easier. I, I think as an actor, it was harder that we had multiple hats on for ourselves and for our performances. It, you know, we had to like shift mindsets, but it made it easier that we were on set and that we were doing multiple things for an Indie production.
0: Mm-hmm. So you said this as was a uh, Lane's. S- yeah. You said this was Lane's first uh, movie he directed?
2: Mm hmm. So yeah,
0: uh, was, his debut. was that, uh, was that hard at all to, to, um, be directed by, you know, someone who's also acting in the movie.
2: Um, I think for him, possibly, I don't want to speak for him, but I think it was hard for him to shift. The, I mean, that's a lot of pressure on someone and it. Same thing as producing, like, I was going from crying and being in a scene to then, okay, now we have to break for lunch and have to make (laughs) sure everyone's taken care of. And, you know, like, (laughs) um, I think that was probably, I mean, I'm sure if we had a ton of money and he didn't have to act in it and we had more capabilities with different equipment and things like that, of course it would have probably helped, but we did what we had. And I think he did a fantastic job and, Mm -hmm. The direction of the film came out beautifully, and I think he was incredible
0: at that. So, the rest of the cast were they people you knew, or how did you go about casting the movie?
2: Yeah. Um, so I knew Scout Compton was mm-hmm. going to be uh, Maddie. She's a friend of mine, and so when we when I was writing it, I had her in mind when I was writing that character. I had no idea who's going to play Brooke. Um, I had a few friends in mind, but I didn't know if they were available. Um, And then we didn't know who Kim was going to be who plays Lane's brother. Mm -hmm. And I was in, I, we were in North Carolina and I had made a friend there and he was helping me with auditions and helping me read sides. And he was so natural. And I was like, you're a very good actor. And so we had him read for Kib, and he just blew it out of the park. And it was his first job that he's ever done in acting. And oh, wow. he was, he's honestly my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> and it's his first job. He was just so, so natural and so incredible and just like developed this character and ran with it. It was so beautiful to watch his growth. It was yeah. great.
0: So where did you film the movie?
2: Um, We filmed in North Carolina in a really rural town um, and the whole city was so helpful and people were so willing to be a part of it. And um, we shot on a property there that was just beautiful and it was freezing because it was in the end of November. So we had a lot of night shoots and it was like 20 degrees so that part was a little bit of a hard ailment to to tackle, but we got through it. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. And not to be but, a weirdo, but you run around a lot in, in your bra, so I imagine being uh being cold would not it was it would not freezing. necessarily be a great time. Yeah, I was yeah. being
2: dumped in water and <laughs> <laughs> thrown around and I was like chained up and it uh, was I couldn't move and yeah, it was right. a lot. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Now, for people wondering, that was all for the movie. It wasn't like in your spare time, or <laughs>
2: no,
0: it's <was> for the <laughs> oh, movie. But you really <laughs> took advantage of the scenery because there's an awesome shot. Uh, I assume with a with a droid, but it's overhead when you guys are yeah, movie you know, running through like into the woods and like that's really beautifully shot. And you really take advantage yeah. of the area.
2: Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, the time of year was so beautiful for all the shots we got which was exciting um we had to do a few reshoots and we had to wait because then all of a sudden now it's winter right so we had to wait for some of the shots to be reshot yeah um but i mean north carolina is gorgeous so beautiful Uh, we if we would have shot anywhere else it wouldn't have had the same feeling at all Mm -hmm
0: and uh you said about you know being bound in the movie so there's a you know a pretty good portion of the movie where you're bound with your hands over your head just is that physically mm-hmm. like hard to do to, to you know to stand there with your My arms over...
2: wrists like obviously we're not pulling it super tight right. but there's yeah. parts where i'm trying to get out and mm-hmm. i literally got bruised up <laughs> even if you're trying not to you know hurt yourself i mean you can't there's just so many things that you can do to make it better um but yeah i mean i desperately got battle loans because i'm also running in heels and tights and a bra right. for several days in the actual woods um and being you know, tossed around and it was very physically grueling that's for sure
0: yeah and i saw you were a ballet dancer before so does like that background help yeah. you when you have to do like you know physicality in a movie
2: Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, Lane's 6'3 is the the man that played pause like 6'2. So they're legitimately big guys, and I'm trying to fight them off. So I had to be as tough as I could possibly be. Um, so I'm super grateful I'm a strong girl, and I was able to make it look as realistic as possible. Yeah.
0: Well, it does come off, realistically, because we've all seen, you know, obviously uh, it's great to have you know, strong uh, female characters, and sometimes the woman, you know, doesn't look like she necessarily would be, but you definitely do come yeah, off right, like it would that be. that she could movie.
2: actually kick ass. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. <laughs> so was there any inspiration for the story, like, uh, you know, why you guys decided to write this particular story?
2: Um, I had just the things I was auditioning for, I wanted to play a dominant woman and have, you know, empowerful empowered women um, tell a story and I love horror and I love thrillers and I wanted to do something more psychological and I, at the time was living in North Carolina and I think the biblical aspect, um, I saw a lot of people take scripture and take, um things written in the Bible and twist them to fulfill their motives and their needs instead of just like reading. Mm-hmm. Um And so I kind of thought of that idea with the cultish men and that kind of influenced me and made me want to incorporate that part of the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it just kind of came and, I had these little ideas and they just kind of all developed into one and that's how getaway was formulated.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you plan on to, uh, to do more behind the scenes, you know, writing, producing?
2: Oh yeah. I, I love it. I, right now it's pilot season and it's so busy. Um, mm-hmm. but during the summer I probably will start writing and doing that again and, hopefully getaway will take off and people will love it. And then I can move more into production for sure.
0: Yeah. You mentioned you love horror movies and was this the first, uh, like actual horror movie or thriller that you've been in?
2: I had done two other little Indies. Um, and I liked them a lot. I don't think either of them have come out yet. Uh, bring me a dream. Um, was one that I did with Tyler Mayne, who I loved and was like oh, such nice. a sweet
0: human being. Yeah, I had him on the show.
2: And, yeah, he played another very tall man. man. Yeah. Yes, very tall. Huh. Um, but just like the sweetest human. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh. So I did that, and he was great. Work. I loved working with him. Um. So I but I've been a fan of horror for a long time.
0: Yeah. What, what, what kind of movies, uh, what kind of horror movies do you personally like to watch?
2: Uh, my favorite is The Witch. I love The Conjuring. Um, I think it's The Pretty Thing That Lives in This House. Those are probably like my top three.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, why, the, why the change in the name of the movie? Because on IMDb, it's still Getaway Girls, and I believe uh, the name of it will be yeah. released really like Getaway.
2: Um, we need to change that. I think that our team just liked getaway um, better than getaway girls. I, um, I think that they, the marketing team and our team just really liked getaway. I felt they thought that getaway girls just alluded too much to certain parts of the film. Hmm. So they wanted to switch it, which I was like, okay, I'm fine with that. That's fine. If you yeah. guys
0: want to do that,
2: but I still love getaway girls.
0: Mm-hmm. It's always going to
2: be getaway girls in my heart.
0: <laughs> it's kind of a maybe a silly question but i noticed in you know in the original poster there's a picture of you from the beginning of the movie and when i watch mm-hmm. the beginning i did think uh is that weird to shoot because you're if people don't know and it's not really spoiled movie because it's right at the beginning there's overhead shot of you in the bed and you're looking directly into the camera is that weird to shoot because like you know you're not you know, you don't normally look directly into the camera when you're making a movie.
2: Yeah. We laughed a lot. Like the whole crew, we would all break. Cause it is, it's like a weird shot. And like, you're waking up from this nightmare, you know, it's just like a very, and you want to get it to be good. But you know, there was, there were several takes that were not usable. <laughs> <laughs> um, cause it is kind of a weird shot, but I love that shot. It's one of my favorites yeah. actually. Oh, um, great. But it it took us, like, we kept breaking because we would laugh. We were like, was that weird? Did that look okay? Like, we'd have to play back um, and make sure we checked the game, got it. But, um, yeah, that was kind of a funny one to
0: show. Did you you, uh, and or Lane do your own editing on the movie?
2: Lane actually and colored the whole film, which is crazy. And he actually scored it as well. He's just a very, very talented human being. Um, and we are so lucky because I don't know if the film would have ever gotten completed because of just funding and, you know, making an indie and making a feature is very hard. Um, and he's just so multi talented that he was able to do so many different aspects of the film, which I'm very grateful for him.
0: Did he have any background in uh, in editing movies, or you know any, no, anything? He, wow. he
2: had to learn everything, um, and he had done like editing here and there for like little things. Sure, Um, but I mean a whole feature—it's like a whole different, a different. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. So the religious uh, aspect in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. when you were filming it in North Carolina, did anyone ask about that? Did it be, I guess, was it a problem at all?
2: I think people that have like wanted to watch it, you know, we just tell them if they're really religious, like this is part of the movie. If you don't want to watch it, we get it or we won't be offended. Um, because you know, we don't want anyone to be sure. so awkward or we don't want to offend anyone. Um, But I think it brings just a whole different tie of a story. And Mm -hmm. I think that scripture and religion is misused sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to touch on that aspect. And um, it's not for everyone. And if people are offended by it, don't watch it. But Mm -hmm. if they're okay with it, then great, support us. So I think it's just, um, but we were shooting in such rural areas and we only had one shot where we were at a bar and everything else was on properties that, you know, were enclosed. So we didn't really have to worry about having to explain it to anyone. And we were able just to create our art and kind of go with what we wanted and what we wanted to express.
0: Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference too, between making, you know, a movie, like you said, that's about uh, the misuse of religion and making an anti-religious movie. It's totally different.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's very different
0: mm mm-hmm. So, uh, were your family cool with you watching horror movies before you got into acting?
2: Um, I actually moved away from home at fifteen
0: oh okay because
2: I got oh. into a ballet company so. oh all right <laughs> um, I've been on my own for a long time mm-hmm. So by the time I was able to be of age to watch horror movies, I kind of was already a full independent human being, so they didn't really have anything to say. Sure.
0: <laughs> controlling my content
2: <laughs> there you
0: go so how how did you go from uh you know being a dancer to to wanting to act i guess it's a similar thing but like uh, how was that how did that process
2: yeah um it's it's actually a hard transition for a lot of people so i've been really blessed um but i was living with an actress and a dancer in hollywood in my early 20s and one of the girls wanted to go to this acting class, and she invited me to go and support her. I wasn't going to take, and I get there early. She's not there, and then she doesn't, ends up not showing showing up. And mm-hmm. so the acting coach was like, "Well, she paid. Do you want to do a scene? Like, do you want to take her spot?" And I was like, "I don't know." And then everyone was like, "Do it!" So I did it. And afterwards, the coach pulled me aside and was like, "I'm a manager." in the film industry, would you be interested in becoming an actress? And I was like, I don't know what that entails. She's like, well, let's just do a few auditions, see if you like it. And then we'll go from there. And I started booking work and it kind of just fell into my lap. I had no idea I even would want or had any aspirations of doing it. Um, So it's kind of a a funny, weird story (laughs) of how I started acting.
0: Do you get the same, I guess, fulfillment that, like, you get from dancing? Like, uh, it, doing it's the acting? It's so
2: different. Um, dancing will always be my love, like, my first love. And I think there's, like, a therapy and a therapeutic release from both for mm-hmm. me, but acting is... I feel like comedy or drama, it's so emotionally exhausting, Mm -hmm. um, when you come home, you know, like the physicality of dance is exhausting, but I still could come home and just be fine and connect and, um, feel like I can just go out and have fun with friends. But with acting, I feel like you just need alone time after you have like a really long day at work. Um, and there's a lot more downtime I feel for me than dance. Even though dance is so much more physically jarring, the emotional part, its it takes, especially when you're doing things where you have to cry all day and mm-hmm. it, it's a lot harder, um, you know, to just come back and just get out of that character and be yourself again. Um, mm-hmm. Where when dance, you know, you're playing a swan or you might cry on stage, but I feel like it's because you're not speaking and you're not emoting that. Mm-hmm. Um, the words, it's just, a lot easier to emotionally disconnect from characters. At least it is for
0: me. Mm -hmm. And uh, how about then from the, uh, the writing and creating side, like uh, how does that compare?
2: I love it. Um, The writing portion, like creating characters and developing a script um, and then seeing how people take it and bring it to life is so beautiful. I, I think I might enjoy producing and writing the most um, just because it's not so demanding on me as a person um, for the creation side. Um, I don't think people realize how much it takes on on actors and dancers um, to create these characters and then having to walk in through the door and then releasing that character. It's a lot. Um, so I think as I'm getting older, I really want to move into the production side and write and produce more than
0: act. When I mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, doing the, uh, the creative side to help you as an actor, do you think be, being an actor first helped you on the creative side?
2: Oh, 100%. I think seeing how, I mean, I've done so much TV, especially, um, and I think, you know, being on TV, when you're in, you know, 60 episodes on a TV show, you see a character develop and how they transform and where it goes. Um, And then now, doing movies, it's the same thing. You develop this character and see the transitions and where the character ends up and I think writing that and having that um, experience has definitely helped my writing.
0: Mm -hmm. So, uh, What do you have working on uh, currently?
2: Um, I have a movie that I just did um, called Stars Fell in Alabama, Mm -hmm. um, and I play the antagonist in it. And hopefully we don't have a release date yet, but it should be coming out on Apple. Um, We don't have the full specifics yet. It's still in post-production, so hopefully that'll be coming out soon. It's a rom-com, so it's not horror, but it's really fun. And I kind of play like an evil, delicious character, so um, yeah. Cool.
0: And uh, where can people follow you? Like not to your home, but online to see what you
2: have. <laughs> uh, my Instagram's my name, Jacqueline Beesom. And so is my Twitter. I have Facebook. I'm going to be honest. I don't really use it. I never open it. I never check it. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm pretty, I'm mostly on Instagram. Twitter is like maybe once a month type mm-hmm. thing. Um, but Instagram is
0: probably my most active site. All right. Very good. Well, Getaway comes out on DVD and digital on April 14th from To Put a lot of very cool things, and it was very cool to talk with you.
2: Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for talking to you. Have a great day.
0: You as well. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Loving names on tombstones. I want to be burying bodies. I've had my sanity tested, but my psychiatrist, been found there Some people call me morbid, but curiosity is just
0: misplaced. A low tolerance of mundane.